This episode of Getting Tabled is brought to you by Valhalla Hobby. If you use the code GT2305, you get 5% off any order over $100. You can find them at ValhallaHobby.com. This is Getting Tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my inaptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people. Welcome to Getting Tabled. I'm Jason the Bruce. No George this week because George decided that he's going to go to Detroit. Was it Detroit? I don't remember. He's going somewhere. It's only George. We don't care. I don't know either. He did say in the message where he was going, but he's gone. Dakota, South Dakota. He's gone and he took photos of motorbikes. So I should appreciate him. Thank you, George, for taking pictures of motorbikes. South Dakota. South Dakota. That's South Dakota, Detroit. They all start with D. It's all the same. South Dakota, Detroit. Exactly. They're both the same. <laughs> One's in ruins. The other one is where no is. I don't know. Is there much of a yes. population in South Dakota? Actually, there is. Okay. Maybe but, they do better then. Especially this time of year when the huge motorcycle uh, convention is going on in Sturgis. But anyways, that's probably where he's having fun at. I, I think he took photos of the motorbikes just as coincidence. I don't think that was no, actually, right. But I'm just going to say thank you because he took them for me. <laughs> that, like, that's very clearly not what happened. But hey, that's fine. Yeah, right. So, All right. So a couple of pieces of follow-up. I, I want to start trying to do follow-up a little bit more regularly. Uh, it's something I had started trying to do a while ago, um, and then I kind of stopped doing it. There's not always follow-up to have. Uh, but given that you weren't here, I think we have I'm back now, and now George is gone. I don't think we're going to have a full cast crew until uh, the end of summer. <laughs> I think what happened is that George forgot that he was going away when we were discussing uh-huh. the... Because it was supposed to be a, a full crew back this week. And then last episode, while you were away, he's like, oh, yeah, I won't be here. He's like, oh, you said you would be. Anyway. Anyways, maybe next week or next fortnight. So... First thing, um, the people that stole the $300,000 worth of cards uh, were caught. They were caught. Well, the news broke this week. That they yeah, were that, was, that was interesting. Um, basically, they got caught. Well, from what I understand, because I kind of skimmed through the article. I didn't read it detail for detail. But from what I understand, they basically caught the way that I expected that they would the moment they started trying to sell them. So it was, yeah, it was inevitable because you're not going to, you're not going to try and sell them unless you're trying to. It's like you're not going to steal them unless you're trying to sell them because nobody has need for that much cards. Yeah. So that many cards. Um, the other thing, uh, at least initially, so the Drop Fleet Commander, we spoke about this story. We're going to talk a little bit more about it later uh, because our Game Talk discussion today is making big changes to an existing game. But here's the thing. Last episode, we quoted Louis uh, because Louis had basically... But Louis had basically said that he wasn't willing to give a comment. Uh, At the time of recording last fortnight, we'd kind of had a point of 
a lot of very negative opinion coming out from the community, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of Michelle's post, uh, where people actually started to discuss either a way around trying to avoid the new bases or um, just other ideas on... But there was actually discussion in the community about if they were TT Combat, how they would fix basically the point that we raised, which was if you're removing the old bases, you now have no way of actually um, keeping track Picking of Picking which levels, yeah. Not, not officially, at least, anyway. No, not officially. Yeah. But here's the thing. We still haven't heard anything from TT Combat at all. Now, I'm sure that like, there's no accident about that. But given that one of the very first responses from the community was that not talking about this was a mistake and a mistake that most people had believed was an accident. Like I, I don't remember if I said this or not, but my assumption at the time was that they forgot to mention it because of Gen Con. Now, we now know that that's not the case. Um, but I am very concerned about the fact that they haven't actually said anything at this point. Like, even if they're not really to show what they plan to do, like even just publicly acknowledging that they, like they haven't even publicly acknowledged that they have a plan for this. And that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying earlier, I, I like, well, we generally speak very positively about TT Combat. And that's because they've never given us many reasons not to. I, I, I can th- including this, I can think of two occasions where we've called them out. The other one was when they made the mistake of not going second edition for Drop Fleet Commander. Here's a question for you, Sox. Do you think maybe we're getting second edition and that's not why we're getting an answer yet? I don't, but it's certainly a possibility. It is a possibility. I have to agree. Um, but, I mean, we, we've seen the comments come across saying that they're trying to bring manufacturing in-house. Oh, yes. Yeah. You're trying to you're trying to cut costs elsewhere in manufacturing. So, well, it's not just a matter of cutting costs. I mean, yes, that is certainly a problem, uh, uh, certainly an issue that needed to be dealt with. It's also like if they have to get that from outside all of the time, it continually causes a bottle uh, a bottleneck that they can't solve themselves. Yeah, Uh, and but we touched on they haven't said this. We said this. The bases needed to change anyway. We've all known this since the game first dropped. And the game's what? Six years old at this point? Yeah. It'd have to be around there somewhere. I mean this has uh, been going like this has been seven. going for four. Hot L Z was at least two. Seven. seven. Seven years. Okay. Because I went to Gen Con the year after it was released. Ah, and that was yep. in two thousand seventeen. So it's it's been out for seven years now. Um, the other thing yeah. I just want to quickly touch on with this is the bases have gone on sale this weekend, which is good because, well, they, they need to be on sale. Um, but they're in small, medium, and large. And, and So at the very minimum, there is a change there because there are no, like, it's only two base sizes in the old game. Mm-hmm. I assume that it's... There's actually, if, if you think about it, there's actually four because in the large, you get a super heavy ship as well as three heavy ships bases oh i hadn't actually looked at that 
yeah, we'll, we'll, when we get into the, the actual stuff, that we'll... could be a that could be a point in my guess column because that's going to have to be a change in the rules. Well, you also think about it that the normal large base that we is have not big now... enough for the is not big enough for the dreadnoughts. It's been a problem for a long Bingo. time. Bingo, yeah, it's it's too heavy on on top heavy. Yeah. So it's going to be, but now that you had a lot, a little bit larger size for specifically dreadnoughts and battleships. Yeah. It's saying that Drop Fleet's also a game where base size is not really going to make much of a difference because you're not measuring from the base, you're measuring from the stem. And center. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're playing it properly, that's what you do. I'm sure that there are right. people out there that measure from the base because they forget about it. Uh, and there's one last thing. It's not actually on the run sheet, but I know that you know I'm going to talk about this because I mentioned it just before we started recording. Uh, last episode, we spoke a little bit about the War Crater releases this month. I'm just curious if you have a favourite of what's coming out. You may not. I'm just curious. I kind of do. but I mean, I'm, so you, you know that I have my, my Prussians, my Imperium. I oh, really? You, you've never mentioned this. Are you a fan of this game, are you, Socks? Uh, just a little. Um, Speaking of, we need to update your profile so that it points out that you're a war host now. Yes. So, yeah, that's that's another thing, is I officially got became a war host uh, a few weeks ago, uh, right before I left. It became official. I just got all my stuff in the mail while I was gone. But anyways, um, so there's there's a couple other fleets that I'm looking at to getting it in the future. Uh, one of them is the Alliance, uh, yep. which is the French and Italy and uh Spain uh, stuff when they start coming out with the Spanish stuff. But I do like the look of the, the, the union stuff as well. So I, if I were to get some, but at the same time, I like the empire look too. I, I like a lot, a look of a lot of the stuff. So you're hearing it here, but, this here first folks, by the end of this year, Sox is going to own everything that War Cradle release. Have all, all have all eight factions. Yeah, unfortunately. No, no, no. Everything um, that they release. That means you have to buy Wild West Exodus <laughs> as well. Oh no, not that. Not you, yet. you can buy Wild West Exodus from JP. He's got some of it to sell. It sure he is. Wait, is it JP? Uh, how much JP? Yeah, it's JP. Uh, it's JP. <laughs> he Anyways. he was going to give it to me, but he can sell it to you. It'll be fine. No, just give it to. Just it was going to cost too much to ship to me. That's the only reason why I didn't take him up on the offer. It was literally going. To, it was going to cost more than like it was going to be ridiculous. So I was yeah. like, "Yeah, no, don't do that, man. It's not. <laughs> don't do that." Um, so I'm liking the look of the union stuff. Um, when I first was looking into the game, I liked the look of the union stuff. Uh, but those flying cities that the Empire has is pretty cool. I love too. those. So yeah. uh, it goes both ways. I don't have a favorite because I like them both. Yeah, um, I'm like seeing some of the new stuff that's coming out with the the union. So, as well, they're they're finally starting to get some of their other units that they that are in their order of battle, the orbat as we call them, what has all the unit stats and everything like that. So it's good to see the union getting some more stuff out. Yeah. So the, the last thing I touched on during that conversation um, was uh, something I need to expand on because I was talking about how the fact like they've been doing nothing but um, I was about to say drop fleet. Um, dystopian wars. Dystopian wars. Thank you. They've they've been doing nothing but releases for that for a little while now. Uh, and whilst that was very important early on for obvious reasons, like they had made significant changes to the game and needed to re-release them. Uh, also, like they'd made changes to the law, so they needed to release stuff that was going to be in line with what they had. Correct. What they'd done. 
But Wild West Exodus is the example that I used at the time. Like, we haven't had a release for Wild West Exodus since the new two-player starter set, which is phenomenal. Uh, but I'm kind of concerned because I would have thought at this stage we would have been getting a few more mixed releases as opposed mm-hmm. to only concentrating on one thing. Um, it was recently pointed out by you that uh, they also have Firestorm Armada coming, which will most likely release in the same manner, as it should, again. Um, it's just... I, I know there's only so much that you can say because you're a war host, uh, but do you have any thoughts on the fact that, in my opinion, everything else is being ignored? I don't think it, stuff is being ignored. Uh, from what I understand, they've got a lot of plans coming up um, for getting ready for just be careful. Uh, dystopian say. wars, yeah, yeah, getting ready for dystopian wars. Um, but there was a lot that needed middle... to be done. But I just think that they could yeah. have, but like by so, now, because it's been like a, it's been at least a year to a year and a half since release. So we are in third edition of dystopian wars right now. Yeah, Spartan. I would have thought by now edition. that we would have started being getting like the ball slowly sl- starts slowing down, and you just start drip feeding stuff for the other games back in. Because there's also from mythos. We haven't there's... had anything for a while. Correct, uh, and and actually on their on their website they have Lost World Exodus as well, which is which is Wild West Exodus, game. but in a different location. Yeah, yeah, it's in Japanese, the Asian frontier. No, it's um, in Atlantia. Uh, um. Uh, and talk oh, you're right, you're right. You're right, you're right. Um, but anyways, um, all all I can say is that they are focusing on Dystopian Wars to see what the success is of Dystopian Wars That's before fair. they release some, some of the newer stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Which, it, they, like, they want to make honestly, sure. Honestly, it, which it's going I well think right them. now, it's going very well. Yeah. I mean, in my little community that I had, I like I said, I started me and one other player who's also a war host with me. We started the weekend after Memorial Day, and we've got up to ten to fourteen players. Yeah, uh, we normally have three to four boards a night when we play on Wednesdays. So, I mean, it's, it's when they well started here, doing it, area. um, like they already had a built-in community, which helped. Um, not all of that built-in community continued on with them. There are some that were upset about the changes. We should actually talk about some new stuff. Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. And we're going to start with Mantic Games. So, uh, around, uh, when was that book released? It would have probably been this time last year, roughly. Uh, When the Big Red book was released, basically Mantic turned around and said, look, we're going to start reworking the Twilight Kin. Uh, they took all of the old Twilight Kin off the market, pretty much. Twilight Kin are not Dark Elves, basically. <laughs> They're totally Dark Elves. Um, it Early on, it was very much whatever you wanted it to be, essentially, because they didn't really have any models of their own. And they slowly started drip-feeding stuff out, and basically what they decided when that book came out was that, you know what, we don't like what they are. We want to completely redo them. So they took Twilight King off the market and they've been slowly preparing to re-release them. And we've finally had our first hint at the direction that they're going. So it's probably worth noting 
I should also change our scene uh, because otherwise people can't see what we're talking about. So it's also worth noting um, that this is still not out yet. We still don't have dates for this. They're just starting to tease the direction of the game. Uh, they've got, how long is this video? It's a 10-minute video. Uh, it's about three minutes before you actually start seeing images of the new designs. Um, so, I mean, I can still see elements of your traditional Dark Elves there, but it's very much it's very much nowhere near the the Spider Queen type stuff that you get from Dungeons and Dragons and mm-hmm. Warhammer Fantasy, which is where uh, so and Warhammer Fantasy, which stole their look from Dungeons and Dragons. I really, really like this so far. I mean, it's very early days, but this is this is twisted nightmare type stuff. I I quite like this. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see everything in its final form. Uh, at about the six minute mark, we do actually get a three D run render. Yeah, which is nice. Um, and he has a literal hand over the mask of his face, which is interesting. I really like what they're doing here so far. Uh, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what they look like long term. But Manta Games, like they do release some really phenomenal stuff. There's still people out there that kind of have this opinion of Mantic Games that's like five years old at this point because they have come leaps and bounds since the days of releasing horrible Rustic crap. Um, but they release yeah. high-quality stuff at this point. At the eight- and nine-minute mark, they actually have... A 3D print. Actual... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I assume good. that's a master that they've been, like, they've been testing by the look of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this muted so that it doesn't come through on the video, yep. basically. But, yeah. And then below that, obviously, we got a few teasers and, um, um, like, character concept art type stuff. I-, I love the evil shields. They're just really cool. Yeah, they do look cool. Uh, and... Just because it's related, we still have the Twilight Kin. So it's very clearly like they've very clearly taken inspiration from the Armada stuff to get the new look, uh, and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Armada stuff looks gorgeous. It always did. Um, my only criticism for the Armada stuff early on was I kind of felt like I wanted the um, I wanted the sails to look slightly different because they're the same sails everybody else has. Yeah, um, but they like they're gorgeous. Tattered they them or. Yeah, but at the I mean, people can always make their own sales if they want to. It's yes. not that hard. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting, um, especially like, it's not very often that you... like. There's only a few companies that will kind of do these teasers. Mantic seem to be doing more and more of them at the moment, which is nice. Um, yeah. TT Combat, we spoke about those a few minutes ago. So this is what I was kind of saying earlier where we've got... The base is coming out now. Um, so we knew that these were coming uh, and they're being released in small, medium and large boxes. Uh, and yes, you're right. There's actually two different sizes in that large box. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, like I actually think this is important because the, um, the large base that we did have never had really been big enough to support the, the uh, Dreadnoughts and stuff anyway. Uh, there's also, this is probably the more interesting thing, a resist a new resistance Amazon, Amazon battleship. 
and this is absolutely gorgeous. I, I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, more than anybody else, the Resistance really do seem to have an um, a naval feel to them. Yes. Uh, like, the ships feel older. Oh, my God, the cruisers in the front of that thing. Not the cruisers, the, the missiles in the front of it. Um, I really, really like the look of this. Uh, it's modular, so you can still build up your own, because you'll notice that it's there's more than, but there's multiple ways that you can build this, because it's resistance, and that's kind of how they work. Um, one of the builds they have is with like a whole heap of guns in the front, and I'm trying to figure out what those guns are. Yeah, I'm reading the because they're not just laser repeaters. They're that that's something else again. It doesn't torpedoes. Look like... No, 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 no. Keep on going. There's like a picture of like twelve guns sticking out the front of it. Just after the torpedoes facing the other one. Oh, hang on. Oh, no. I, got, I see the torpedoes. No, it's um. I'm an idiot. It's the engines. I'm an idiot. I'm looking at the engines trying to figure out what sort of oh, gun they are. You're right, it was you're backwards. right, you're right. Never mind. I'm in yeah, No, you're right, because I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Because the pictures have been swapped in the order. Mm-hmm. So, no, you're right. I'm like, what, <laughs> what's Bruce talking about? But you're right. Yep. But yeah, those those three massive torpedoes on the front. Torpedoes the are missile becoming launchers a bigger on the back. Yeah, they are. I don't know how much they're seeing play because, like, at the one stage, like you just never took torpedoes because it wasn't worth it. But um, Nowadays, I need to I ask a few people. More more. I need to ask a few people as to what they're like, whether they actually are competitive now or not. I mean, in theory, they should always have been competitive, but they just never really. In theory, they always should have been. It's just that's not really how the game. Like, it just never really matched mm-hmm. up, which is why they weren't reworked them. Uh, the other two big things we have, we have Ruinscape and Cityscape. So they have completely yeah. redone the old cardboard terrain buildings. Uh, they're still reminiscent of the old ones. I, I quite like them, honestly. Yeah. 30 pounds. Uh, it's dirt cheap, basically. Uh, John, one of our local players, already has, I think he ordered the Cityscape. He's got that coming now. So I'll actually be able to... He's already offered for me to be able to open this on the channel and show it off. So nice. I look forward to actually seeing them in person. Um, these have been off the market for a little while. Um, it has been a while. I don't know if we ever got an official reason for it, even though realistically the reason is fairly obvious. It was because they went off the market during the pandemic and it was because of supply issues. So they've obviously taken the chance to kind of rework it a little bit as well. I think the floor tiles are still the same. I could be wrong, but they still look the same to me. I, I yeah, personally think that the, the best way to do these is to essentially buy both and use a mixture of both uh, because then you can have your parklands and stuff. Whereas if you buy one or the other, I don't know, I just think having both makes for a more interesting table. Uh, the one that we still don't have is there is a wooden version of this that they had released a couple of years at Gen Con that was being done as oh, like that's right. it was being done as like an event 
exclusive type exclusive um and they've kind of gone quiet on that and i don't really know why um like the community has been asking a couple of times where this was um i say community it could just be the same person asking it in multiple posts but i don't think it was i saw at least two or three people asking about it over the last couple of weeks which is not a lot of people but um nobody seems to really know what's going on there so it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. um i mean maybe depending on how much of them they were selling like maybe they took it off because they weren't selling many of them because it was that was going to be a shipping logistics nightmare. It was just going to be yeah. really heavy. But in saying that, I mean, you can have something available and then it's only cut to order as opposed to, well, you need to keep stock of everything. Like you could just only, like you only cut them when there's orders for it. That can cause mm-hmm. its own problems, mind you, but. Um, yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, we'll move on from TT Combat. I mean, there is a couple of other things, but, I mean, that was the main things I wanted to touch on. Um, Yeah, because, I mean, last episode we kind of talked about the new Carnivale stuff. Um, You guys had already spoken last episode about what your favourites of the drop zone stuff is. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Forge World. Now, I quite deliberately don't talk about Forge World very often because if you don't live in the UK, it's kind of a it's kind of a frustrating company to deal with. I mean, this is it's a games it's Games Workshop. People can talk about them being different all they like. It's Games Workshop. Uh, also, I have issues with the quality of the resins that they release. Um, I'm not a fan of Forge World. I understand that there are people out there that are, but most of the industry have kind of moved. And these guys still essentially do the same thing. Dude. We had teasers of the Get Off the Road miniature um, at some point in the last six to 12 months. I don't remember what release it was teased as part of. But it's now available. It's $150 in Australia. I don't know what it costs for you, Socks. In theory, you can change it over and have a look if you want to. Look. Uh, there's a map in the top right-hand corner. Um, yeah. But I kind of I, I wanted to look at this because... This is genuinely phenomenal. Yeah. It does look pretty good. Like, it, this is not a game that I've ever really... It's not that I'm not interested in. It's never been something I've been interested in collecting to play. Um, from what I understand, the rule set is fantastic. Like, there's been very few changes made to this rule set, which is really weird because we're talking about Games Workshop. Um... But there's a very dedicated fan base to this that still to this day play nothing else to a large extent. Uh, that's not everybody, obviously, but mm-hmm. it has a very dedicated fan base. Um, but this is, if anything, the only thing from Lord of the Rings that I've ever looked at and you went, you know what, I'd really love to paint that. I'm not buying it because Lord knows I don't need more projects right now. Lord knows I'd have enough problems with... Like I genuinely do have issues with like micro focusing on things, um, but I'm just like I'm giving credit where it's due. This is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have some new kill teams coming out. I say new; these are kill teams that were previously around as part of two player starter sets. 
Uh, I'm not looking at all of them. I've just kind of pointed out the two that I found the most interesting. The first one we're looking at is the Beastman ones, so the Felgor Ravagers. Uh, this is very much like the Crute box. Uh, this is another one of those things where we'd known they were around for a while and we've been screaming for models for it for a long time. Uh, it's a really gorgeous looking box. Uh, this is one that honestly I would consider buying at some point. It's not happening anytime soon, but it is something I would genuinely consider buying. Uh, but the other one, given that we have a George that's listening, is the Hearthkin Savages. You can, finally buy, you can finally buy your Space Dwarf Salvages, George. So you'll enjoy that. Given that you're listening from the middle of a car park in no man's land somewhere, I'm guessing. He was in a car park last night, so he can't be that much further. Uh, like the hearth kit, like we had looked at the hearth kit early on. Like I said, this is something that had originally been as part of a two-player starter set, and there's differing opinions as to how much value was in those boxes. I certainly don't have a very high opinion of the value that comes in them, because you kind of have to, you have to want everything that's in those boxes for them to be worth buying. Mm-hmm. Um, but of the four things that came out that uh, this fortnight, I thought that was the most interesting. Uh, the prices on screen are the Australian ones, again, because at the time when I was putting this list together, it wasn't available in the US or the UK yet, that those prices probably are out by now. But, easy. Yeah. I would imagine it's going to be around the 70-ish dollar mark. Unless, unless we're being ripped off again. Ravages is 60. What's, yeah. the, what's George going to be paying for his Space Dwarfs? He is going to be paying once it wants to load. Sixty as well. Okay. Yep. So we're being ripped. Oh, hang on. Are we being ripped off? I should probably look at that before I throw that accusation. Um. Oh, it's not too bad. It's a ten dollar difference between what it should be and what it is. The Australian dollar sucks at the moment. So it's not actually all Games Workshop's fault. Uh, but moving on. This got released the day after we recorded. Uh, so mm-hmm. once again, the War Game Soldiers and Strategy Magazine is doing their great wargaming survey. There's not a lot to really say here. Uh, like this is a survey that gets done, hopefully, of the entire wargaming community every year. Um, and basically, they, they release all of the information every year about like, uh, like what's being spent generally by people, um, the direction that the industry is going. So like if there's been a big surge in, let's say, fantasy games and people aren't playing as much sci-fi, this tends to point that out because everybody... I feel this out like I, I tend to probably play more sci-fi than I do fantasy. Um, I'm not someone that plays a lot of historical stuff, but I have had interest in some historical stuff recently. So I kind of put that in there. Um, I would be recommending that everybody fill this out because the more accurate this is, the better it is for the industry, uh, especially the indie side of the industry. I mean, Games Workshop mm-hmm. is always going to do whatever they want. Uh, but given that there's literally a 75 to 80% mar- um, market share on their side, like everybody else in the industry is fighting over that 15 to 20%, um, the more information we can get in there, the better it's going to be for the indie side of the the community basically 
Yep. Um, so fill this out. Link will be in the comments as always. There's not much else to say there. More Batman and Robin stuff. So everybody's favorite Batman movie, Batman Forever. You know, the one with the Batman credit card and the bat nipples. Um, it's not as bad as Batman and Robin, but it doesn't get looked at fondly, let's be honest. I love that one. Is that George? Hello, George. <laughs> that was George. <laughs> so we have we have nineteen ninety sorry, nineteen ninety seven Batman uh and Robin. And they look like straight out of the movies. Like these scops are gorgeous. But we also have Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. Uh and yes, when I was writing this on the run sheet, I put a nice pun in there. I think I wrote po- uh, Ivy, ice to meet you. Something like that. Um, personally, Mr. Freeze is probably my favourite sculpt here. Um, I don't know why. Like, it's not a great costume, but there's always been something about it that I can appreciate. Um, I don't know. It's it's just something I always liked. I, I like the fact that they're finally doing them. No more smart remarks from Mr. George that's trying to pretend like he's not here. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, I just, I saw this and I'm like, you know what, I need to talk about this. Like, make no mistake, like, generally speaking, these two movies get trashed on by the internet. Uh, they do have their fan base. It's kind of small. Uh, George has opinions. So, I will say this about the Batman and Robin one with the, uh, the, the actual, you know, Robin title in it. The soundtrack for that movie was the most absolutely amazing thing ever. Oh, yeah, I agree with you on that. Yep, I 100% agree with you. Um, there's not a bad track on that soundtrack at all. Uh, it's, I would probably say that it's up there with the Crow soundtrack, actually, which is really big words. Batman and Robin is kind of like where the... the because when Batman Returns happened, there was a lot of very negative feedback about how dark that went. Um, for the same reason that there was very negative opinions on the way that the original Ninja Turtles movie happened. And both of those got, basically the industry got ruined by those opinions, basically. Because they tried to cater towards people that they shouldn't have been catering towards. Um, and then, yeah, Batman and Robin was literally the death of superhero movies for about 10 years. Well... And, and and unfortunately, you know, Val Kilmer got caught up in that with all of his stuff going on and everything. But just the whole, like, not just Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer only did this one. Oh wait, hang on. Which is the one? Um, George um, Washington's face is in one of them. Yeah, George Clooney is in one. I can't remember. Uh, George they're in now. Kilmer? No, I'm pretty sure. I think Kilmer's this one. I think this is Val Kilmer. So. And I think George is uh, Clooney, rather. I think he's in um, Batman and Robin. So, somewhere was Batman Forever. Okay, yes, I'm right. Good. So my my issue with those, like after the Keaton, before the Bale, is the some of the directorial choices for architecture. Yep. in Gotham City. Well, it like it kind whole. of like it was trying to it. It looked like it should have been Batman of the future at that point, um, as opposed to totally not New York, totally not um, Chicago, which is what 
Gotham has always kind of been unofficially a mixture between the two. Well, no, I was talking about like the giant statues that they're driving the bat car off of and jumping it. Well, yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, we just—I decided earlier, by the way, that um, you deliberately parked in a car park full of motorbikes just to please me. Um, no, I, I did not. I, uh, I parked in a car park where there was lots of people on motorcycles staying. Yes. Because I'm close to where Sturgis was. And despite it being over JP, there's still a lot of people on motorcycles in the area. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was right. Yep. Yeah, JP agrees. Well, not so much that he agrees with me. Um. <laughs> There's a recording going on. That's why you're all yeah, spouting Shay, gibberish. Shay, Shay, like, why is all this gibberish going on? That's why. <laughs> hey, uh, this conversation stay is because Night Models are releasing Batman and Robin 1997 minis. Uh, so I started by saying how garbage the Batman Forever was. George likes Batman Forever. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed. Uh, we, we kind of got diverted. Um. I still, honestly, the Mr. Freeze is my favorite here. I just think there's something about, there's always been something about that suit I liked. Ignoring, like, regardless of whether you like the direction the movie took him or not, I think the aesthetics of the costume were always very good, personally. Um, I don't think Schwarzenegger was the right person to play that role. But. No, he was too buff. It needed to be some scrawny guy so they could mimic the Mr. Freeze from the animated series. You well, know, they, the they big, were trying to live off, but I think the idea was is that if they get Schwarzenegger in, then not only will it be a Batman movie, it'll also get Schwarzenegger money on top of it, and that's not really what happened. It was, I mean, th- the movie made a lot of money. Um, actually, Batman and Robin made a lot of money too. Uh, it was just hated so much by everybody that it literally killed superhero movies for like ten years. And like that's not hyperbole. Like that is literally what happened. It killed superhero movies. But if that hadn't have happened, we probably wouldn't have had the resurgence that we do now. Um, because I when would say over, oversurgence at this point now. Well, yeah, you're not the only one to make that remark. We should finally <laughs> move on. Uh, brutal cities. Welcome, by the way, George. Yeah, I uh, I finally finished eating dinner uh, up in Rapid City. Uh, drank way too much this morning while trying to play golf and. I now have a chance to sit down, relax, watch Iron Man 2 on mute, and I can do the end of the, the podcast uh, audibly without... Uh, I'm sorry, you don't get to see my beautiful face. Speaking of uh, superhero movies. <laughs> uh, apparently it wasn't 10 years. I'm exaggerating there. I mean, I thought it was clear that I was exaggerating, but anyway. It was only like three years until the X-Men movies came out. It felt like forever. I was... I... I've... 50, I was mid-teens at that point, so... I wasn't really paying as much attention as I like to pretend that I was. I, I wouldn't call those, like, great, though, either. I like the whole concept of them, and I was excited, and I saw it, and I was like, well, now I'm disappointed again. I enjoyed the original X... Like, this, this is... We're still diverging. Uh, I enjoyed the original X-Men movies <laughs> at the time when they were released, but the quality in movies went up after that and they're not as easy to watch now as they were at the time yeah yeah sure anyway brutal Brutal cities (laughs) (laughs) brutal cities have a new line that's coming out this weekend this is very much i'm gonna say like this is it's sci-fi terrain 
Uh, Brutal Cities, George, you may remember them. They released like the giant, like basically it was like a gaming table inside a building type stuff. Um, we were very okay. impressed at the time. They also did the oh the stuff yeah, where it's like I'm, see-through, like you could actually have like see-through buildings and stuff. Whoa. So the out. Trapper Biotech Genesis Bundle, try saying that three times fast, uh, is very much like, I, I want to say this is kind of cyberpunk-ish. It's going to depend on how you paint it, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, so yeah, very much sci-fi. Uh, this is very, very modular. I mean, you could put this out as just all separate buildings, but you can also put them all together to make like giant ramshackle type monstrosities. Oh, later, literally call it a monstrosity here. Um, can, can can we address the fact that uh, there are greenhouses? Yeah. Yes, that, that's what I was hinting at a minute ago. That that's actually slightly older. Um, the greenhouses I, came out. We've we spoke about them when they came out last year. They they almost won awards for those. I I just it's so remarkable to see like tabletop terrain of greenhouses. Like, yep. And they're actually see through. And they yeah. have planter boxes that you can have. Yep. Uh, they also work the same material into some of those buildings. Uh, so in, so there's a Trapper Biotech bundle that kind of combines the two. Uh, and so there you're getting a little bit of your see-through windows and stuff. This is, when it comes to, like, this is very much your, as opposed to being grimdark, it's like this is uh, a utopian type future look to these. So probably mm-hmm. more in line with, I would probably argue, Infinity, although you'd argue that that's not really... A like a, a Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that this stuff all kind of breaks down into each other too. Like these guys are doing phenomenal stuff. This is an Australian company again too. Um, I, I find it... Like, we have a lot of really good terrain people in this country, which is surprising at times. It, actually, it's not if you think about it, because if you look at all the other terrain... It's either made in the U.S. or Europe, and you know how much does it cost to ship that, Bruce? Well, yeah, that is true. Yeah, so it it's only smart that you know someone in in Australia has decided if I make it here, I can sell it, and I don't have to charge you know yeah. thirty jillion dollars to ship it. Uh, my assumption is that these bundles probably won't last forever. Uh, there, th- this is an assumption, though I don't know this for a fact. My assumption is that this bundle will be temporary and then you'll just have to buy the pieces separately because you can't just buy the pieces separately right now. Uh, but like I said, I'm making an assumption there. I don't know that for a fact. I just I just think this stuff looks really cool. Indie. Definition. Independent. Type. Slang word. Jargon. And this week, I decided that I wanted to talk about a friend of the podcast, Laser Forge Miniatures. George and I talked about them very, very briefly last episode to talk about their bases because, well, there was a problem bases with Drop Fleet Commander bases. And I was like, well, you can also buy this stuff. Um, someone's dropping or not releasing bases yet? Oh, they still haven't. Met, I actually called them out on this a little while ago. At the start, one of the follow-up items was the fact that like, they still haven't said a word. Like, they haven't even officially said that they have something coming. Like, we... I, I did quote him, but like they haven't even officially said that. Uh, there's also new base sizes coming out. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I did not, but that would only make sense for like Dreadnought. the dreadnoughts. 
depends the, on the large you, bases were never big enough for them anyway. There's there's four t- actual sizes now, George. There's a small for your frigates, medium for your, all your medium tonnage, and then two larger, a heavy and a super heavy. Base. Yeah, makes sense. To, uh, the other thing that I kind of touched on when we were discussing that very briefly was that because of the way the rules are written, different base sizes isn't actually going to make a difference to the game itself. Because uh, one of the early things I was like, hmm, does this mean they're going to do the second edition that I said they should have done 12 months ago? Uh, but I doubt that because you don't need to actually change the rules for that to work. Yeah, yeah. no, the only thing the base sizes will do is save space and storage and on the game board where you're getting in close. Yeah, because you've got to measure for the stem anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, Laser Forge miniatures have some really, really, really cool uh, options for your drop fleet commander bases. Um, like there were complaints about those bases pretty much from the moment that they were released. Alan was the first to come up with an answer that I know of. I know Blots have an answer for them as well now, but I'm pretty sure the Blots ones came out later. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, Alan was one of the first people to do mm-hmm. a. Uh, well-designed, well-packaged, like, buy this kit, and it could do these bases instead of this. Yep. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, what else do we want to look at? So, under 3D prints, under Laser Forge, let's talk about the Forgeborn. So the Forgeborn definitely don't belong in a certain um, dark and gritty type future. These are all 3D print options for alternative models, let's say. Um, A whole heap of stuff that you can't really get officially at this stage. Um, Very much taking things in his own direction, which is important um, if he wants to keep them on the market. But you you can definitely tell that they belong in in 40k but this is like there is a lot of people doing this right now Mm -hmm. um some taking liberties and some not i I would argue that there's not really any liberties in this stuff which is a good thing uh liberties in the context of how i'm saying it is people just recreating stuff that games workshop sell, and obviously that's a problem for a number of reasons so I, I would go a step further. I would I would say, looking at his stuff, I would say this has more of a 30K vibe to it. I was thinking that as well, honestly. Uh, the Aximus weapons platform Dreadnought definitely feels like it belongs in 30K. Well, even the uh, the ancient Dreadnought Redemptus. Like well, the, yeah, the I mean, that's, the... that is just a redemptive... Oh, well, no, it's not just a redemptive Dreadnought, but it's very clearly based on that. I love the fact that it has toes. Yeah, but the the way like the armor plates are stacked and like it just feels very thirty k ish with that with yeah. that um appearance. Uh, the mm-hmm. other one is the uh, Force Board Thunderstorm Cannon. Yep, <sighs> I like that because the thing I like about this stuff is that you can kind of see where it's come from today's technology, like the tanks, for example, like. Yes, it still has the general shape of what a land ra- a land raider would look like, but because of the way the armor and the tracks have been designed, it looks closer to something that would have developed from something that we did. 
than the 40k stuff that Carnover is just their own thing, which is fine. I'm not like it's their vision, um, but it's a good way to help differentiate, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, what else do we have? Martian Armatorium. I think all of the stuff that we're looking at here. Actually, no, I want to look at the Bionic upgrades because I'm kind of hoping that these are. Yep, this is exactly what I was hoping that they are. This is. You used to be able to buy a lot of like bionic arms and bionic legs and stuff and kind of swap them over, and you don't really get them as much as you used to. But that is literally what we're looking at here. Are we on the same page or? 3D prints, bionic upgrades under Laser Forge. Uh, I clicked on the wrong thing. Um, so yeah, basically this is a whole heap of like oh, robotic legs, yeah. robotic arms. Um, I mean, there's certain armies where this kind of makes more sense than in others. Uh, but I, I really like what I'm looking at here because I'd like to see more of this. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Um, given especially, you know, socks can relate to this too, uh, with our current, you know, level of medical technology and, you know, what mm-hmm. warfare is actually with, with loss of limb and, and stuff like that. I think this is a great, um, addition yeah. because I mean, 4K universe, sure. They've got better armor, blah, 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 blah. But tyrannids of sharp jaws, limbs are still going to be lost it's going to be faster to attach a cybernetic than regrow or you know reattach a limb yep 100 percent. so since like because back in the hot lz days we used to be sponsored by alan um we're not anymore and that's not why we're covering it it's just like he's been a friend of the podcast for a long time and i was like you know what because since then and we did cover it when it happened his business actually morphed into an actual gaming store. So, like, he is now literally selling... And, yeah, I mean, we... He's in the UK, though, so it's all right. I'm not... He can't compete. Uh, but, like, he's literally selling all of your 40K stuff, uh, all of, like, everything, basically. He's not quite as... Mm-hmm. Like, his range is not as wide as Valhalla Hobby. Uh, it's certainly more modest, um, but it's... a uh, kind of a modest store. And I don't mean that in a critical way. Like he's trying to run his business in a, in a smart way. And you can, you mm-hmm. only can buy so much stuff at a time until you're established at least anyway. Uh, he's been open for, and it'd have uh, to be two years at this point. Yep. He was, 21. he was open. Uh, yeah. He had issues right around COVID. Yep. With, with the store and everything. So yeah. Uh, the thing that I am noticing is that I don't see the game that he developed being sold anymore. He had uh, he had a game that he had developed, which was a naval fleet game, and it doesn't look like he has it on there anymore, which is a shame. It must it mustn't have gone anywhere. Uh, like generally, the feedback that he was getting was very good. Like I, I did actually have a, a set of it. Uh, actually, did we all get a set of it, or was it just me? I know Michelle got I think one. It was just you. Yeah, I think it was just me because I actually showed interest. Um, yeah, I mean that, that that's a shame. But I just wanted to kind of look at this because, like, as I said, like he's a fan of the podcast, has been for a long time, and 
we haven't really looked at him again since he started expanding the business. Like even in just the laser cut items, he has a lot more, a lot more stuff that's available now than he used to. Uh, like at one would, point, would, it was just BattleTech and Drop Fleet. That's just spun. I will argue um, he has probably some of the uh, the best uh, dial trackers on the market. Yep, I actually just clicked on those. Ironically, uh, I really like the look of the BattleTech ones. They they're, they're kind of cool. I, I like the cog design. I, I like the fact that you know it's magnetic. It's two parts. You can get like your faction specific, you yep. know. Yeah. Mark on. So, I mean, that's just incentive for you to buy multiple sets. So you have one for each army. Um, yeah. Hate that. Uh, <laughs> I like but yeah, I, ones. I'm not buying I, I, anything. I, I'm being a good boy. I don't need to buy anything. I really like you sure? I bought the uh, Space Wolves from him for nice. the for 40. And yeah, those are really, really, they're really nice trackers, in my opinion. So. I really, really like those. They're really nice. Like I just happened to have been clicking on them when you mentioned them. But yeah, <laughs> I really, really like those. And I like the fact that it's not just the main factions that he's doing. Like there's a thing here of Necrons, obviously. And he's done all of the dynasties. He's done the same thing with the Tau. He's done the same thing with the Eldar. And in a case of like... Cause this is not generally something that you would need to stock everything of. You could cut this to water if you really wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of getting stuff done when he has the, the chance to do it, I suppose. But I like the fact that it's not just chaos. Blood angels. Well, da, 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 da. well, and it's not just that, too. I mean, if you scroll down, there's, you know, some Battletech stuff. There's Malfo. Yep. You know, it's... I like the fact that the Battletech stuff looks like it's actually come out of a mech. It looks like the dial that you have there. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing I would say is that I would like to see something, and whether it would be worth having, I'd like to see something generic just for everybody else. Because you don't need to do individual stuff for everything. Because not everything is really going to sell. But if there was something that was generic there, there'd be something that everybody could buy. Um, yeah. That's probably the only the only real thought I would have. Um, otherwise, yeah, they're based in England. I don't remember where in England. I'm quickly scrolling. It's in Lang- It's in Lancaster. Yep. Uh, he's closed on Thursdays. That's an odd day to be closed choice. Not necessarily. It depends on what business is like in their area. I mean, a, co- a common one tends to be Mondays because Monday tends to be a slower day. But well, if you look at gaming stores, you know, mm. you got you know Friday night magic and that stuff. Then you have your weekend stuff. If there's a new set of something, typically your pre-releases are happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, you know. Just so, thinking Monday- off the top of my head, if you close on Thursday before, let's be fair the three busiest days of the week, it means that you're charged and ready to go for Friday, which will be one of the that busiest days. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, it could just be that in that area, it makes more sense to close on a Thursday instead of another day. Or maybe he just has things on on Thursdays and he can't get in. Stream, Hulu, 
Crime. Paint. Well, before you jump into that, actually, I'm going to sign off for the night. Um, I'm glad I could jump in here for a little bit, but I'm exhausted and tired, and I'm actually ready to go to sleep, so. Well, thanks for jumping in, George. Yep. I still exist. I'm not avoiding you guys intentionally. He is. He's just <laughs> saying that. He's just saying that to be polite. Uh, hey, hey, you know, I try. It's okay. Not hard. We will, we will pretend to cry in front of you, and then just... When you leave, we will be fine. Um, I before we go into hobby, I just want to touch on something that. Hang on, who said it? Uh, Shay. Um, TT Combat selling the new bases without describing their solution—it's ridiculous. That is pretty much. I, I want to say seventy to eighty percent of the feeling from the community. We are going to talk about hobby. Yes, George has done all of his hobby. That's why he's gone away. Um. So next fortnight, George is going to buy all new stuff. And if that's not what he's doing, then it means that my assumption that I'm now pretending that he said is a lie, and therefore he should apologize for lying to us. Yes. I think that's how You have lots of stuff, apparently. Yeah, so even though I was on vacation for three weeks, I actually brought some of my stuff with me and was able to finish up actually earlier today, all of my, not all, a majority of my Imperium surface fleet. Nice. Um, so uh, I little known fact, people. Uh, there is actually a table underneath the garbage pile behind him. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> there, there's two of them. It's hard to see right now because that's how much I've been working on all my stuff. Yep. Anyways. Um, so I'll show this off because I got this in the mail, like I said, when I was gone, but it's official. There's my Warhol shirt. Nice. We uh, need to update your bio. Yep. So I will be wearing that every Wednesday night at uh, Critical Hit Games when we play Dystopian War. So if you're in the local area, Tampa area, swing on by. Um, be happy to teach you the game. But uh, this is my Kaiser class battleship. Nice. And then I've got my Tempelhof fleet carrier. And then my Conrad support carrier. And you'll notice that the aircraft is painted Mm -hmm. different than this token. Because... If I bring three of those Conrads, I can actually upgrade it to my ace squadron. And so I was just like, I'm going to paint them all with the aces. That way, if I bring in a squad of three. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I've got uh, my Blucher class. And this is actually removable. Nice. So that if I want to add my uh, artillery cannons, I can. And Are they just push fit or have you got magnets? I assume they're just push fit. That one just push fit. Yeah. But I do have magnets on all my turrets. For you. Yeah. I have magnets on my all my turrets, so. And then I've got uh, a couple little which one is this? This is my Toten destroyer. And a Sigma destroyer as well. Nice. And then uh, a couple more bases of fighters and bombers. So I have been busy. You have been once. very busy. And I'll hopefully have my airships uh, all finished up. Uh, the reason why I was focusing on my surface fleet is I could field more 
actual units with my surface fleet than I could with my airships. And so I, I wanted to focus on them. Yeah, no, um, that makes sense. So hopefully I'll be able to finish up my airships over the next couple of weeks. So um, basically what this means is that you will be ordering a new Empire army by the end of the week, right? Colin will be uh, lo- lovely and surprised when that arrives next Wednesday. If I order anything, <laughs> I will be getting more Imperium so I can build out. So I've got my my two uh, mechs that I have that I got in my uh, Beyond uh, Sergium Skies box. I'm, I'm about ready to paint them as well. Nice. Uh, but I want to build out their fleet to make a full-on uh, battle fleet or for my force. Um, so, but I don't know if I can order anything for a while because i just bought a third mat because like i said we, we have 10 to 8 to 10 players showing up at our uh store and so yep. i have two mats already my war host Bodhi johnny he ordered a mat and then i just ordered a third mat because which turned up in amazing hat. fashion shall we talk about the yeah. quality that that turned <laughs> up in so, so first and foremost who did you order the mat from deep cut studios which is a which company is a that company. has what sort of reputation, Socks? Good and bad. I mean, <laughs> shipping-wise. I, I was going to say, know. I've never heard negative opinions on the company myself. Like, this no, is why I'm Michelle not. and I were so surprised. I love this company. I mean, I love their mats. Um, they're great mats. I, I get the uh, mouse pad-backed uh, uh, neoprene mats, yep. and I absolutely love them. Um, and, and why don't uh, you describe for the folks at home the the sort of quality the box was in when it arrived at your doorstep. So the box. How closed was it? Socks. Not very closed. My guess. It was is, wide open. There was one of the sides of the box was missing. The top of the box was missing, and about this much of my mat was sticking up and out of the box when it showed up on my doorstep. So I'm, somewhere in transit, it either got ripped off and just. I'm the rest of the way, all, wondering all the if maybe and everything I'm kind of wondering if maybe it got opened at the border. But in theory it there should have been have. a sticker to say that happened, right? And I'm assuming yes. that there wasn't one. I didn't see one. Yeah. So something something, yeah, all of a sudden I show up and might go open my front door and there's a box about eight inches by about three inches. And the top four inches of my body mat is sticking up out of the box. Yeah. There's. <laughs> Anyways, great company. I absolutely love them. Um, Cause I ordered it on Monday and I got it. Yes. Uh, Thursday, yesterday. Yeah. That makes sense. So, but what have you been working on Bruce? I have been working on terrain because I've mentioned this a couple of times. I have an event coming up. So I've been working on terrain. Uh, so I did show off some of this last episode. I've been working on uh, some buildings and stuff. Since then, I've been doing a bit of graffiti and some like posters on the walls and stuff. I'll come back to nice. those in a minute. The other thing that I've been working on has been... Hang on, I'm going to move. I have been working on... Garbage truck. So this is my garbage truck, which has very clearly been washed very recently. Um. Yeah. With with a with a dirty sponge, rag, it just says wash. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this is like originally this is just a toy. Um. So I sprayed this with some matte sealant, and then I've been washing over the top of it. 
largely this is all done with washers. Like none of this is really done with because like normally if you're weathering stuff up, you would be using pigments and stuff. And I've been trying mm-hmm. to get this done very quickly. So I've been kind of taking the, the quick road. The issue with washers, you have to wash them when they're, you have to watch them while they're drying. Otherwise they end up looking horrible. I'm, I'm kind of really happy with how this has turned out. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, the actual wash me that's written on the front. I know people watching the podcast are going to go, hey, it's backwards. That's my camera that's doing it. Well, actually, it's not the camera. It's no. Discord that's doing that. Uh, it looks great to me. Yes, I know. The issue is, is that on your own feed, it flips your camera around. And because I record directly from I know. Discord, it flips everything on the, on the recording. Um, there's also another one, which is a fuel truck, and that's basically the same thing, but it says wash me on the back of it. Um, so I kind of nice. left that where it was. We also have a rather generic-looking police car. I had a couple of thoughts on these. I had thought of doing like the whole black and white like the American cars tend to be because, let's be fair, this is an American police car if you look at the sculpt. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I'm just going to do something that looks generic because like, Australian <laughs> Australian cars tend to be generally white with some like checkerboard pattern on them because they're kind of more based on the UK ones, really. But I kind of just went with the white because there's no way I'm painting checkerboard. It's not happening. Sorry, but no, that's not happening. I've also got a taxi. And why is it not yellow? It actually is yellow. It's just extremely faded. Yeah. The idea for all of this stuff is that this has all been ruined a long time ago. It's kind of just been sitting out in the sun. Pink drop zone commander cars. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, There's another police car for you. This one doesn't actually look as wrecked as the other ones. It's clearly... Still ruined, though. I had an original thought is that I was going to write Echilops on the front of it because old (laughs) police cars used to have police written backwards on the front, but I decided against it because they used to do it so that in the mirror it would still say police. Uh, But they don't do it in Australia anymore. Disappointing. I painted up the Humvee, which I didn't even realise was actually a Humvee until I put paint on it. I said, oh, hang on, I know what sort of car that is. So I went up online and I started looking up Humvee colors and I picked one that, I mean, in theory, this could have been an, an army vehicle at some point. It probably isn't, but because Humvees obviously can be purchased multiple of ways. This is very clearly a quality car that you could drive out right now. There's no problems with that at all. So again, really high quality vehicle, this one. I think J- JP made a comment about how it's barricade, not just a generic police car. And I think he's... I'm not 100% sure which he's referring to. But yes, like, it's very clearly... Like, because barricade is, like, yeah, it's... Barricade is a transformer, for those that don't know. Um, But this can't be barricade, because this guy is a white car, not a black one. Uh, I'm kind of, like, I'm, I'm really happy with how, how they turned out. Oh, I also have... I also have numbers on the top of them because, and I've just realized that one of my numbers is back to front. That's it. I don't care. I'm not changing it now. Um, so I've been kind of very busy on that front. Yeah, you have. And I've got more. I'm not even showing everything. Um, how's this for a mattress that you would love to sleep on socks? Cause that just looks so clean, right? 
not definitely not five star according to your standards. Oh wait, no. that's what you think of mine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is a pile of garbage. Um, and this is like the reason I printed out something with mattresses is because I have plans for this in my scenarios next weekend. This is where the sniper's going to turn up because this is a pile of garbage on top of a rooftop and he's basically going to sit on top of it going bang, bang, because sniper. Nice. I also have painted up some of the 3D prints from last weekend. These are all printed very, very simply, honestly. Like these garbage bags, I just printed with, uh, they're just printed with um, a um, glossy primer because, well, they're garbage bags, so they should be glossy. Yeah. And then uh, like I've painted that silver and I put a wash over it. Like so, it's it's really really simple. Uh, but you don't have to do complicated for something. No, good. It looks good. Uh, I, I could highlight. I, I, mean, I could do like edge highlighting and stuff to make these look even better. But I'm trying to get a lot done in a very small amount of time. I also painted up all of the um, like the um, objective tokens that I made. So this is a, nice. a, literally a pile of CDs. Because I kind of decided, like, because this is an event. It's a public event, and it's a public event where there's probably going to be kids there. And as much as in world, sure, yes, it would make sense for some of these objectives to be like contraband. It's going to be pretty obvious what that would be on the table. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I really want to do that in, in a uh, public event with kids. So I've just gone for fun little details. At least that's the idea, anyway. Uh, the other thing. Um, Tiny Master Calls. Yep. I secretly, and I say secretly because our Patreon knows about this, I secretly bought a new hat. No. Um, I have secretly bought a new tile system. So these are all 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters, so roughly a foot by a foot. Uh, yes, I realize that means that my screen is in view. I don't care. I do care. Uh, they're all magnetized. You can kind of see nice. if I angle it right. Mm-hmm. The goal for this is this is going to be like a modular street tile. That That's ultimately the way that it is. Uh, the reason that I've kind of... Like, I mentioned it to our Patreon, and I haven't mentioned it anywhere else, is because I didn't know if I was going to get this finished in time for the event, and there's not. it's not going to be finished in time for the event, unfortunately. Uh, but that's okay. I would rather it look good. Um, so I bought rolls of cork to use for the road and i'll show why in a second but the problem with rolls of cork is you gotta unroll it you've got to unroll it and unless you but you've got to glue it down and if you don't do it right it's always going to spring up and basically it's just been a nightmare trying to glue it down um like basically you get it down and i'm kind of having to use another tile to keep it flat and hold it in place because it springs up and it moves and And basically, I'm going to use foam board for the actual um, for the actual sidewalks and stuff because they should be taller. Uh, so this is all magnetized, holds together rather well, honestly. Uh, the thing I found out, me and a mate played on top of this. I just put like a gaming mat on top of them because the magnets. Now, hang on, because the magnets are in the bottom. It likes to fold up on itself. Well, so much, not so much that you want to open. You want to break this apart by doing it this way not by going that way because if you do it that way the leverage pulls the magnets back out and breaks the super glue 
I found that out the hard way the other night. It is possible that maybe two of the magnets just, I don't know, just didn't have enough glue in them and Work, that's how it yeah. breaks so easily. Well, like the super glue snapped, basically. And which, it's back in there and glued and it, it's now working again. Thankfully, they're not hard to fix because it's been designed really well. And basically, that is what I'm planning to do as far as looks is concerned. So that's meant to be a road that's very, very worn. Uh, I'm going to put like sand in between the cracks and stuff to kind of fill it out. And then obviously it's going to be painted black and have road markings and stuff on it. Mm -hmm. And then this will be like generic tiles and I can kind of put them together in multiple different ways. My intention is to have four corner pieces like this. Uh, and then I'm going to have probably four pieces that are just this side. Uh, and then I'll have others that are like full sidewalk and I can kind of swap and change. I'll probably add to this over time so that I can have like a parkland and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, I probably won't use this for, well, I won't use this system for the trailer park because I could just use a grass mat for that. I don't really, yeah. I'm trying to create like a street that's not just, because at the moment I have like a, a broken cement mat and I just set it up with all of the buildings and then whatever doesn't have a building is road, which is yeah. fine, but I want something that looks nicer. Especially later on when, like if, like, if this does get to a point where, hey, this is a game that I'm making, you can buy this soon, I'd like to have something that actually looks like looks. it's a real thing. Yeah. So I've been very, very busy because I did show these buildings off last time but I've done a little bit more work on them. So my Redemption Falls sign now has graffiti nice. all over it. Uh, obviously, the kids' parents are dead. Uh, what does it say? Uh, they couldn't save you. So it, it's the anarchists trying to win people over, mm -hmm. basically. I had painted this last time. Uh, but I have started to weather them. So they've all got graffiti on them now. So the ZW is a character from the game. Uh, and then obviously somebody doesn't like them. That says Rick Denver, who clearly doesn't know how to space his wording out. No. Uh, and then somebody's calling them a tryhard. Um, we've got Komodo on the back. That is supposed to be the Flaming Fist logo that I've designed. It's kind of not obvious unless you get up close, but there's actually like a fist in there. and Yeah, I can kind of see it. Posters. Some of those are actual real-world things, and some of those are edited posters or things I've created from scratch. So this is one that I've created from scratch. It's actually a PAX. It's actually a PAX sign, uh, and it's advertising things like the Sega Entertainment System, just because I'm having fun. Uh, there's a there's a um a poster on here for the mayoral vote that basically led to the city going down. There's a poster here for a wrestling company, and an Alice Cooper poster because Alice Cooper is awesome. On the back, we have one last one. This is maybe the best mistake I've ever made. Originally, this was going to be a hockey mask that I would eventually draw over the top of. When I went mm -hmm. to weather it, it wasn't quite dry yet, and it smudged. And so I went, ah, mm. oh, stuff it. And I just went, I, I put water in it, and I just went, back and forth, and basically ruined it entirely. You can 
almost still see what it kind of was. It just it looks like somebody's tried to wash it. Yeah. Which was at that point that was just like I'm just gonna make it look deliberate. Um and I'm just I'm really, really happy with how that turned out. Um and last but not least, there's a Mr. X logo there, which is actually a logo that I designed when I was in like year seven or something. Because um, I don't know why. I obviously thought I was cool. Because Mr. X is not something totally generic that everybody has used at some point in their childhood. No. <laughs> anyway. I'm just going like, slowly I'd been doing them up and putting posters and graffiti on things. and Like, there is more of it, but I was just using that as my example because otherwise we could be here for hours and everybody would be yeah. listening to my stupid voice. Talk nerdy to me. Making cha- like making big changes to existing games, um, like realistically, like this is something that's a big risk for companies to make. Uh, this is inspired initially. I mean, not just by, but like the the drop fleet stuff, because at the time we were talking, and like I still hold this opinion, those original bases needed to be changed, and we were talking about that the moment that our like the the moment that those kits arrived, we were all talking about the the bases were very smart, but they didn't work properly because everything was too small. It was too fiddly. Yeah, I the found them small and fiddly. On the uh, my hands are normal sized hands, and I had problems with them. So, Lord knows, there's people that have much bigger hands than I do. Um, but it's not just that. I mean, to some extent, you could probably make the argument that Age of Sigmar is this as well, but I, I, I don't really want to talk about Age of Sigmar. It's not really what I'm talking about. Just generally speaking, like, companies have to make changes to games over time anyway. Like, it, it's literally a point of trying to stay in business. Because if your game never changes, eventually either A, it gets stale, because there's points in games where things don't work the way that they were supposed to or they work too well and then people only ever take one list and then the game becomes boring because everybody's playing the same thing. So you have to update FAQs, new editions. Uh, it's probably fair to say, like, there are people that, that, like, there are people that get upset over new editions all the time. Like, that is actually a voice that is out there. Um, and then... Basically, people tell them to shut up and the voice kind of goes away. And um, This is another one of those topics where, realistically, there isn't actually a right answer or a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Everybody is kind of right on this. Um, but my first thought when I was talking, when I was planning this last fortnight, was that, like, realistically, our initial opinions and the opinions of most of the communities was... Like these drop fleet commander bases are groundbreaking, really, really intelligent. But I'm sorry, Dave, they need to be redesigned because they don't work properly. Everything's too small. Uh, that was pretty much the community agreement. Um, yeah. And nothing really happened early on. And to be fair, I know why because at that point you've already done them. And you need to at least you need to get your money back on the very expensive tooling that you've paid for, because you've got to remember plastic models to produce afterwards are actually fairly reasonable. Early on, you have to pay a fortune to get those molds done. Um, and I think 
TT Combat's timing for this uh, is because they were starting to have logistical issues. Like we kind of hinted at that earlier. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that there was issues that needed to be resolved probably helped them make a decision, but it's not why they've made this decision, uh, at least from where we're standing. Um, yeah. It's kind of been hinted at, at several times that they knew something needed to be done, but it just wasn't really the important thing that needed to be done at that time. And I would have agreed with them. Like, there was other things that were important at the time. But another example is one that we was talking about earlier as well. Um, when War Cradle purchased Dystopian Wars, one of their first thoughts was, well, we could kind of throw this into our universe. That means yeah. we're going to have to kind of change the story a little bit. Like, that got very mixed opinions early on. Like, there were, like... You're not allowed to change things. The internet will tell you this every time you try to change things. Uh, even if those changes are actually not changes and they've been in existence for a long time. But I think it's fairly, like, honestly, that recreation of dystopian wars, which is but like they... They pretty much did. They took it's second been completely and renewed. Um, the rule set, from what I understand is still very close to the original rule set. It's just been adjusted a little bit for balancing. Um, but the it's a completely different world now. Uh, and yeah. it's, I would argue, it's a really well-created world. They've used that to help describe the rest of Because the problem with Wild West Exodus is that the Wild yeah, West Exodus US. story is only, it's essentially like two or three towns in the middle of the United States. Yeah. Uh, We've always known that there was this was happening globally, but you don't get to see that. Uh, that like the do. warrior nation, like in the game, is like the Native American tribes and stuff. But the warrior nation as a whole is every indigenous population. So it's the Aboriginal Australians. Um, it's what's the correct term for people that live in Alaska? Um, the Inuits. Inuits. Thank you. I, I was almost going to say the other thing, which is. Not something I should say. Um, and that's like, law-wise, that is what they are. Now, in saying that, that they also don't exist in dystopian wars. But this helps tell that story of, oh, no, it's affected everybody, not just the US. Yeah. Something of that scale is always going to affect everybody. Um, And you can see that in the eight factions that they've created for dystopian wars. Yeah. I mean, the, the only nation... Only continent as a whole that isn't really in there yet is Africa. There's chunks of Africa yes. that are part of sub factions. Yeah. There are sub nations within a main faction, but the majority of Africa is not there. Otherwise, the entire world is covered. Even Antarctica yeah. is covered because that's kind of where the Enlightened is, along with all their science complexes. But the Enlightened has a strong presence down in Antarctica. I'm kind of hoping that when we do get something that is purely African-based, that it kind of takes inspiration from a few fairly obvious sources. Um, I'm kind of like, yes, obviously Wakanda is one of them. Uh, but not just... Because the, 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 there were real-world events where Africa almost became a power in and of itself a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't it happen? That's a very complicated story, and not all of it is a very nice story. Sorry, Socks, but your country is partially involved there. 
Not your division. I'm pointing the finger at you, CIA. You literally assassinated somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, though t- th- there's also arguments as to whether that would have actually helped or not um, because there was fears that he was going to try and become a dictator. Um, evidence tends to suggest that that's not the case, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I- I'd kind of like inspiration to come from that because, yeah, like a an actual powerhouse from Africa uh, and maybe one of their thing is is that they want to unite their entire continent and they have problems with the fact that these other divisions are owned or joined with others, uh, whether they're with them for good reasons or bad. I mean, some of these probably are with the crown because they choose to be or maybe they're forced to be or, or whatever, but you, political interest is where you get story. So that's where I'd like yeah. to see that come from. Uh, I mean, Malifaux has... In the other side, there is a faction that's very African-based and is basically it's a sci-fi Africa type thing. Um, like, I think you could draw from that very easily. Um, like, you don't need to break any ground there. Like, you don't obviously don't don't want to make it Wakanda, but like you can take ideas from it. Yeah. Um, because like this is a world where an alien presence has basically changed everything. So. And look, hey, you don't, they don't need to be good guys or bad guys. Make it all shades of grey. Definitely make it all shades of grey. Don't just... Yeah. Because if you start making it like, well, this is the thing, but they're very much evil, you're going to have problems with that. But if you make mm-hmm. them pure white Samaritans, uh, p- pure, uh, what's the term? Like, If you make them like just the... the if you just make them faces, you're going to have problems with that too. They should have as much shades of grey as everybody else. Uh, yeah. And then, realistically, that's where you should be avoiding all of your potential PR nightmares. Because, make no mistake, like there is potential PR nightmares in doing a faction there. Because the internet is the internet. And you're not allowed to have nice things. I don't know. Can you think of any other examples? I mean, not that we're here to talk about it. I just want to kind of wanted to have the conversation, really. Legion. Le- yes, actually. Well, that, there's an example Sorry, of one that Legion. didn't necessarily go very well. I mean, it's still being played. Like, there are people played. that are still being played. It's, it's very popular still. Um, but there's certainly a turned... player base that's dropped off, but yes, that, that does happen anyway. And Shadowpoint yeah. was always going to do that. Like they lost a lot of their players to Shatterpoint. They, they really they did. did. They did with that, and yeah, and and we've talked about this too. The way Asmodee Atomic Mass Games took over the transfer that merger was not in the greatest of fashions, and so I I, I don't have as many problems with how they, that happened, they, uh, but I understand why people do. Um, yeah, the problem like. What should have happened from this? Because Fantasy Flight, they were basically doing something they weren't set up for. Like Fantasy Flight weren't designed for miniatures. And no. Like the, we had nothing but logis- logistical nightmares from day one of Legion, basically. Some yeah. of those issues have been fixed. Not all of them. But post-pandemic... Like things aren't actually releasing when they're supposed to be releasing now-ish. Um, yep. You don't have as many 
logistical problems now as we used to. And it used to be a monthly occurrence. Uh, it had been a massive complaint for a long time. So from that perspective, it helped a little bit. Um, I would also argue that, that you're never going to get opinion on that to change, regardless of how well they deal with that side of the business. No, I agree because I, there were times, I mean, I have Armada and there was months, almost years waiting for stuff. Well, it was about 18 months. New product wise. Yeah. Like what we had, we had declared the game dead at one point. I mean, they recently supported a tournament. This, but that's kind of it. I mean, yeah, they're, they're they, they kind of relaunching the, a box. They gave us the uh, Galactic store support, Civil, or not like the Clone Wars. They gave us some Clone Wars stuff, yeah, just to kind of tease us some stuff. But, but going, what I was trying to get at with the the, the transfer was none of the lead designers for either game, yeah, went over, which I understand. Well, uh, there's potential games. problems with that because the thing is, is that we don't know if they wanted to go with them or not. True, you're right. Um, we don't because it is certainly, and I'm not saying that they didn't. Um, but when you lose your lead designers the f- and nobody has played the game, yeah. Uh, but also, re- realistically, it wouldn't be the first time where a game has gotten to a point where the original creators were less interested in it than they used to be. Uh, the example I'm thinking of is Guild Ball. The company literally killed the game and refused to sell it anymore because it had become something that they didn't enjoy. They never wanted it to be the competitive power, like the pure comp- the competition. Creep. It's not so much power creep, but it had basically become like, Everything had to be balanced. Every it was supposed to just be a fun little game, kind of like Blood Bowl, but a little bit different. But it became mm-hmm. this massive competitive thing because that's what their community had asked for. Um, and so obviously you give the community what it wants, but it based like the snowball effect. But like they just became miserable. I, I'm oversimplifying this story massively. Yeah. Um, as just a potential other side of that argument like it, it there's nothing because hey yes he created this and that would have been because asmodee wanted a miniatures game but does he prefer to work on board games it's where he came from um because i'm kind of playing yeah. devil's advocate to some extent but basically the point i was trying to make is that realistically as Modi wanted, as Modi is the one that did this, not Atomic Mass Games. Atomic Mass Games got all of the flack from it because, of course, they did. Because again, this is the internet. Uh, but um, as Modi made those decisions to cl- to clean up the business, basically. Yeah. Um, it's taken the last. I mean, it's been twelve months, eighteen months since this decision. No, it'll be about twelve months. It was about this time last year, and it's like it's really only just starting to settle down now. Uh, yeah. Um, at this point, like, like it's just they need to do like they still need to do something with Armada. Either they either need to officially kill it, and I'm not saying I want the game to be dead, 
but they need to either officially kill it or officially start doing something with the game. Uh, don't get me wrong. I understand that Shadowpoint is the focus right now, and it should be because it's the new hotness. But more than just they should be working on whatever they're planning to do with those. X-Wing as well. X-Wing needs attention as well. Um, they need to make that call. I mean, you could, I would argue that there are actually too many Star Wars games in the market right now. It's probably not a very popular opinion to say. Um, from a community standpoint, all of these games are going to have their communities regardless of whether the game is actually being sold or not. Famously, and th- we're not talking about Games Workshop, it's a much smaller company, but famously when Blood Bowl was killed, that community never died over those 8, 9, 10, I don't actually know how long it was dead for, but that community powered throughout no support for a mm-hmm. very long time. Um, but most recently, Games Workshop decided that they're bringing back, I mean, it's not epic, but it's based on Epic, basically. Yeah. Which is like the little tiny little miniatures. And, and look, there's still been people playing that original game to this day. Um, There's nothing that says that you can't play a game that doesn't get supported anymore. You have to find your way around, obviously, finding miniatures because eventually the miniature line runs out. Yeah. Um, But from a Atomic Mass Games standpoint there needs to be decisions made there i i have a feeling that armada is going to be the one to go because x-wing is the bigger game um here's the other issue i also think there's too many space combat games on the market there are a lot there are a lot Uh, and we're about to get another one infinity has one coming out it's been made by a separate company but they have one coming out and honestly, it looks really good. Well, and I've heard talk of Battlefleet coming back. Well, I think oh, there's been about talk it. about that for years. Honestly, for years. if Battlefleet came out, I would be very surprised. It might happen. I know people want it to happen. I yeah. don't know if there's enough room in the market for it. In saying that, I'm going to put on my um, my cynics hat for a second. Here we go. I'm wearing my Cynics hat. Uh, Games Workshop customers will buy what they are told to buy. And if they are told to buy the new Battlefield, I think they will do as they are told because that is what they do. If you have a miniatures game and you don't update it, you're going to have problems. Drop Fleet Commander. New units are released. You have to balance out the game. Yep. You see Um, a meta growing. You have to balance out the game. I will say this, drop zone commander. There are still people to this day that aren't entirely happy with the changes that happened to drop zone commander. But regardless of what you think about those changes, I actually think the game's really good. But regardless of what you think about those changes, the game at the point, at the time where those happened, was in a situation where it desperately needed updates. It needed them quite badly. Uh, regardless of what you think about the updates, that's not really the important thing at this point. It, it yeah. didn't happen. It just didn't happen in the way that you wanted them to. Um, Ground combat in the, was a little confusing to, in 1.0. Drop, 
Drop Fleet Commander needs second edition, but here's the problem. It also needs time for that second edition to happen because ground combat is a problem in that game and always has been. It's a problem that Dave acknowledged being a problem back in the day. Like he acknowledged that that was a problem. But you need time to fix that problem too. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, I know for a fact, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, I know for a fact that there were divisions within TT Combat as to whether they should do the 1.5 or 2.0. I know this for a fact. I have people on record with it. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but I know that there was arguments over that decision. And I do mean arguments. I'm not misspeaking here. That is the word that was used. Um, but I would probably make the argument that fixing ground combat in that game is actually going to be... It's not going to be easy. Um, we, we've made a couple of suggestions in the past. Some of those suggestions are... Uh, it needs to be simplified a little bit. It's not really overly complicated. It's just... It's a really annoying part of the game. Like it's just like it's really annoying because it's like it takes ages. Like it kind of. It's a sub game. It's, it's a sub game, game, but it's also it's a sub game that doesn't really feel like it achieves anything. I mean, it does achieve things, but it it does because it just it's it just feels systems. tedious. It's not fun. Uh, it's the it's fun the aspect of ground combat that needs to be fixed more than anything, and I don't. I don't really have the answers for that. Um, I would like to see some changes in when you score too. Um, not so much all the time, but with like different missions, because what you already score in certain rounds. Two, yeah, two and four. I would like, like that. I would like to see that updated in the second edition, so that different missions have that. Because so that some of them will be all the time, some of them will be during certain, but so that the turns in which points happen changes. Um, because it's four and six from memory. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to see that change to some extent. Uh, not permanently, but I, I would like to see that it change up, so that it depends on the mission. So that if you are doing tournaments, um that it, it adds to some variability. Some randomness, yeah. If you were the one making the decision, which of the Star Wars games would you kill? That's a tough choice. But based off of my play style, X-Wing. It would be X-Wing? Yeah. I love the capital ship feel. Kill yep. Shatter Point. Shay's saying kill kill Shatter Point, and <laughs> and actually, I would kind of have to agree with you there, Shay as well because you don't like they it. are taking up. No, the way I saw the demos run when they were doing the the at the Adepticon didn't appeal to me at all. I haven't sat and watched a full game, but I have I have enjoyed what I've seen. But in saying that, I also enjoyed Marvel Crisis Protocol. So, and it's basically—it's not the same, but it definitely shares a lot of elements. It shares a lot more elements than they said it was going to. Let's put it that way. Um, 
Shay wants to see it just because he likes chaos. That would be chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would kill a company, quite frankly. It would literally kill the company. Probably. Um, for me, I'm purely basing this on the market right now. For me, I would kill Armada because it's the one that's had no attention. Well, almost no attention. But I would kill it with the intention of bringing it back in a couple of years' time. That would be my intent, is that, look, this may return at a later stage, but for now, it's been put on the shelf. It's done. Uh, and then they concentrate on the ones that they have, and they're not allowed to look at it until all three of those games are going well. Because Legion needs attention, uh, but X-Wing needs attention more. Now, realistically, they could make the call of killing X-Wing instead. Because honestly, if you was to kill X-Wing, I don't think it gets missed. Because I would also argue that there's really not much more that you can do with X-Wing at this point. Um, like, they fix the issue of the, the, the constant pushing of new stuff. Um, but I don't know if, like, a third edition of X-Wing, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know how, how much, much that more they could. I don't know how much more they could, I mean, other than deeping, diving deep into the expanded universe. Or starting to Starfighters. Like, basically making the call of, well, you can't use old chips, you have to buy new ones, and that's never going to work. Like, that will, like, they may as well kill the game. Yeah, no, I take my comment back. No. Kill X-Wing. Like, there's still stuff in Armada to do. The, the disappointing thing about... There's a lot about, of Armada that you could do. The, the disappointing thing about choosing to kill X-Wing is that, realistically, the dogfighting aspect probably feels more like Star Wars than the capital aspect. Uh, because in the movies, it's all about, like you don't really look at the big ships; they're always in the background. It's all like it's the dog fighting. That's the there's three three uh, capital ship battles. Yeah, but it's not it's not ever really the focus. It's usually right. it's you're usually right. the smaller ships. No, you're right. But I'm thinking of episode two. Yep. Sorry, episode three with Grievous's ship. Rogue One, and uh, well, actually, you could almost say Episode Nine as well, where right, we're all yeah, everyone bands together right there at the end. And Ep- then, episode uh, Nine, everybody's favorite Star Wars. Episode movie. Six, Episode Nine, episode everybody's six. favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, and then Episode Six with the second Death Star. Th- those are yeah. about the four movies I can think of that has huge. Yeah, huge true. Maybe I'm wrong then. Out of the nine. Yeah, I mean, but episode you're right. one is like, I don't know, maybe that's just a bias of, but I, I still think that you're right. I think X-Wing is the one that you would have to kill because there's just nothing left to do in it. Like, and, and like they can make the call of like releasing new versions of the ships, but that's, that, that, there's be been so much. Game version three. Well, they forced so much of it down. Fantasy Flight forced so much of it down people's throats that like realistically i don't know how much it even really sells now like it feels like there's stuff on the shelves that never move now that's probably not the case it's probably just being refilled often enough that it doesn't you don't notice it doesn't notice it yeah but you can't tell me that there's stuff out there that people need to buy like people that were interested in x-wing were interested in x-wing a long time ago i was one of them and as soon as our models came out i sold all my x-wing I, I've never played X-Wing. 
Uh, I've taken elements of it because, like, the templates, obviously, I still, I, well, I, I took that idea for mine, uh, but I'm yeah. not doing, I'm not doing space combat. Uh, but for, like, turns and stuff in a motorbike game, it made a lot of sense to kind of borrow that idea. I didn't mm. borrow the mechanic, but I did take the idea and do something of my own with it. Anyway, that was the discussion. Like, like I said, there's, there's definitely multiple sides to the story. Tournaments, demos, conventions, you know, that kind of stuff. The Nunawading War Games Association Games Day is happening next Saturday. So this is Saturday the 26th. It's happening at the, the Central Ringwood Community Centre uh, at Bedford Park. Uh, it begins at 10 o'clock in the morning, continues until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's gold coin donation entry fee. Uh, everybody is welcome. I will be there hosting a table. This is the first time my game is being shown to the public outside of the people that's been helping me play test. Um, it's going to be interesting. I am really super nervous about this. Like, I really, really am. Um, because, well, this could go really well or it could go really badly. Uh, generally speaking, like, I don't mind about getting negative feedback. That's fine. But... It's going to be interesting. Just like, if this goes really, really well, that could be great. Or if it goes really, really well, this could be really, really bad because maybe I struggle to keep up with it. Um, it's it's just going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, there is a map that's been sent out to the people hosting the tables, but it's not final yet. When the final version of the floor map is released... I will share it on the public page so that people know where I'm going to be located. Um, if you would like to follow my game more closely, if you do a search on Facebook for Entropy City, there is a group that's been created uh, so that you can follow the progress of the game. Uh, it includes some of our Patreon. Uh, it includes some of the people that's been helping me playtest and all people that have just been interested in hearing about how it goes. Uh, but if you're somebody that's been following along through this and you would like to follow a little bit more closely, feel free to join the group. Um, and hopefully that'll... The idea of that community group... I mean, in theory, I have a page that's ready to go eventually. I haven't launched the page at this stage. I won't until it starts getting closer to being a finished product. Uh, but it, that, that is definitely something that's going to be happening at some point. Uh, otherwise. Yeah, feel free to join. Also coming up is your event. When's your event coming up, Socks? We're starting the first week of September, which is September 6th, and we'll be going through about uh, 15 November. We're doing a uh, Escalation League, starting at about 1,000 points, uh, playing at Critical Hit Games and uh, every in St. Pete, Florida, and then every two weeks or so we'll increase that up to... Uh, about 250 points, so we go up to 2,000 points, and we're going to do a tournament at the end of that. So, and then we're going to go diving right back into a narrative campaign after that as well. So nice. Uh, and that is happening so. at Critical Hit Games in St. Petersburg, Florida. Yep. As opposed to St. Petersburg in the middle of Europe. Correct. Uh, weapons free Drop Fleet Commander tournament. This is taking place in South Wales. Is it the South Wales Gaming Center? Uh, this is Saturday, 2nd of September, 9 o'clock in the morning. 1,500-point uh, tournament. Um, it's going to use the 20-0 system. 
Um, and yeah, should be good. Uh, prize support still be to be determined, but should be good. Uh, PAX Australia is coming up. Uh, PAX Australia is from the 6th to the 8th of October. I will be there. Uh, Saturday tickets are very close to being sold out at this point. So if you want to be there for Saturday, which is the bigger day, um, you really should be buying your ticket now. Uh, if not, you should have already brought it because it's like 80% sold out or something. I might be slightly off on that. Uh, and then finally, the Northern King Con is coming up. Oh, sorry. No, not finally. Tabletop Gaming Developers Association, uh, their DevCon event is coming up. This is happening the day before PAX on the Thursday. Uh, I will also be hosting a table there. Uh, this is this is a game developers conference, basically. Um, whereas if you are developing a game, you can bring your work along to this and get people going through and having a look and so on and so forth. Uh, there will be people doing talks at the event that um, have had successful launches of games in the past. Uh, this is my first time going. Um, I'm going for obvious reasons. Um, and yeah. Uh, and then finally, Northern King Kong, 24th to the 26th of November. This happens in West Yorkshire, £55, which includes your hot lunch for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I mean, £55 early on sounds like... Not well, bad. That, that, yeah, I mean, £55 is like, well, yeah, but this is just a tournament. Why would I pay that? It includes your food. That's why you would pay that. It's actually a really good deal. Because it's not just sandwiches. It's a hot lunch. It's yeah. a really good deal. Thank you again to Valhalla Hobbies. Uh, Valhalla Hobbies, like they've been sponsoring us for a little while at this stage. Uh, ValhallaHobby.com. They have a real passion for the niche gaming community. They actually do sell. They actually do sell everything. Like they've got a massive range. All of your Warhammer stuff, all of your Dungeons and Dragons stuff. They have card games. We don't really mention the card games as much because we don't really look at them very often. Um, Infinity, Dystopian Wars, TT Combat. They're actually getting in the Black Sight Studios stuff now. I don't know if it's arrived, but I can confirm that it's been ordered because he told us that recently. Um, And honestly, their prices are really good. Plus, if you use our code, you get an extra 5% off. We get nothing from that. Like, legit. Like, we get nothing from that. It's just an offer that is made to our listeners. Uh, I mean, it also helps him track how much this sponsorship has been worth it for him. Uh, but Valhalla Hobby, they have a real passion for the indie, uh, which I think is why they reached out to us because that's a huge passion that we have. Um, mm. Get on the indie side of this industry. It's far more interesting than the major name. There is much better out there. I'm not saying that Warhammer is bad. Just telling you, you're missing out. Big time. Check out ValhallaHobby.com. You, you won't regret it. Thank you very much, Socks. Thank you. It's been fun. Anything else you want to touch on before we go? I'm good. If you would like to support us, if you appreciate what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's only $2 a month. It gives you early access to all of the video content that we do. Uh, the ep video episode of this doesn't get released until Thursday. Our Patreons will be able to watch it at some stage later tonight. 
Um, you can also check out our website, gettingtabled.com. We wouldn't have that if it wasn't for Valhalla Hobby. If you want to follow us on social media, facebook.com slash gettingtabled is where everything gets shared first. We also have a Twitter, which is at gettingtabled, or an X. I don't know if they've actually changed the name of it, but it's got this weird X logo now. Uh, we're also on Instagram. Instagram is actually being used a little bit more now. Um, we have a Discord that you can join. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, there always is. Uh, it is open to anybody. Like, there is certain channels that you won't be able to access without being on Patreon. Uh, My Entropy City channel is one of them, and the Patreon one is one of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they have the ability to listen to us live while we're recording, which a couple of them have been tonight. Uh, and then finally, youtube.com slash getting tabled. Please subscribe. Try to get those numbers up as always. Uh, we have a new video going out every week um, that will occasionally be more, but it's usually once a week. And otherwise, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mattias at soundimage.org. It says...